Well, good morning, everyone, and, and our Father in heaven, thank you. This is the Word of God. Speak now by your Spirit to every heart. I pray in Jesus' name. Uh, Luke 24, 44 to 49. Let's... Uh, Look at these few verses before I open up an important subject. This is in the appearances of the Lord Jesus, of which there were numerous appearances, a lot of them not recorded in the scriptures, but some are. And uh, on the occasion of one of those uh, visits or appearances by Jesus, these are some of the words he spoke. So follow with me. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. In fact, you can find Jesus in every book of the Old Testament. And Scripture was fulfilled. It had to be fulfilled. It was fulfilled. Then look at the next verse. He opened their minds to understand the Scriptures, which means they, they could go and preach this a whole lot better than they ever could before, and so can you. You can have your mind opened to understand the Bible. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that the repentance, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. Now this is you. We're supposed to be proclaiming repentance for the forgiveness of sins right here, wherever you live. It should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning in, uh, from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Now he added one more comment. Now, so he told them, all this past history of words God has spoken has, has been fulfilled in me, as it was meant to be. You're going to proclaim it, and especially you're going to explain repentance is the key. Repentance for the forgiveness of sins is the key for deliverance and salvation. And you're going to explain it. And you're going to be my witnesses to all nations. And then he adds one comment, and here it is, verse 49. And behold, I'm sending you the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until. Where is it? Where's the next verse? Oh, there it is. Stay in the, this is the bit I wanted you to see. The rest was context. It's your context. Stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And the question you have to ask yourself is, have you been clothed with power? Or have you, have you begun to be built up in power? But of course, you need more. Until you are clothed with power. Now what's he talking about? On another day, just a few days later, he said, it's very close now, in a few days, he said, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit and with power, and you will be my witnesses. Now, it's that baptism of the Spirit that we've been talking about, and uh, it, comes, it's, it comes with goods. Now, I want to tell you a little bit about the story of Jackie Pullinger. I've never read... look. I've known all my life that this was a famous book, Chasing the Dragon by Jackie Pullinger. And maybe some of you have read it. I'd heard about it all my life. I'd never read it. But I saw it floating around a couple of weeks ago. I think it was in Susanna's house. And I thought, oh, I might just read that. Well, lo and behold, I'd heard what I'm about to tell you about, but I might as well read you a page or two, except what happened was here was a young girl who, when she was just a little one, like three or six years old, she suddenly decided she was going to be a missionary and made the mistake of telling people. So from that time on, Whenever she, you know, got into trouble, made a mistake, played up, someone would say, oh, I thought you were going to be a missionary. So it became a kind of a stick. <laughs> and, uh, and so she struggled with all that through the teenage years. But no, in the end, she got thoroughly, thoroughly, you know, connected to Jesus. And she felt this call to go out. And so she, she joined up to missionary societies and things. But in the end, when she wanted to go, none of them would have her, uh, you know, and for one reason or another. And and she had no money, and she didn't know where she was supposed to go, but this compelling sense has got to go. And some pastor, he gave advice that no pastor would ever give anybody. Well, if you're called, you know, just, just get on a boat, you know, and, and get on a boat that's going to stop at lots of places, and when you feel it's the right place, get off. 
And, and if it was the Lord's call, you'll be okay. <laughs> well, off she went. <laughs> and uh, this is the rough version of the story. But she goes to Hong Kong, and Hong Kong had something in those days that it doesn't have today. It has had a thing called the walled city. This is Kowloon. And the funny thing was, uh, you know, the, the British had an agreement with the Chinese. They, they rented Hong Kong for 100 years. It was leased. But the, the agreement excluded Kowloon, but it fell between the cracks. And so the Chinese didn't govern it. The British didn't govern it. But it was kind of part of Hong Kong. But, so it had no government, had no authority. But it was a city, like it was streets and streets, and all of them were these tall buildings that crammed with people, but there's no building code, there was no sewerage, and uh, you know, electricity was probably stolen, wires run, and, and the streets were narrow, like uh, little lanes between, you know, and no building code, so you're lucky if, you could, if two people could pass. And there's no sewerage, remember, so slime and muck and garbage everywhere, and, and, as you, and you had to be careful walking along because anybody could have emptied the chamber pot, you know, a few stories up, or, or their bathwater, and and you, you know, and it was ruled by triad gangs, and they all had their turf. And if you remember, of one gang, you weren't allowed to put a foot or, foot on the street of some other gang, and the, and the whole economy of the place was drugs, crime, prostitution, pornography, uh, opium dens everywhere, heroin, drug pushers. Uh, you talk about a miserable place and, and dangerous and the normal person wouldn't go in there. And, and you didn't even know how to get in. You had to kind of find these entrances. We could get in and it's gone now. But uh, this was the, what was called the walled city. And uh, she, she finally gets into Hong Kong, gets a job and then somehow gets connected with someone in there and goes in and, and there's an interesting story, but she ends up starting a youth club. The youth club was just a room, no program. And, uh, but she, she had the, would have the doors open and anyone could come in and, and so on and so forth. Well, that's, that's, now this place is run by triad gangs. And, um, and it was amongst them that she ended up having big impact, but not until she learned something or was told something and started to practice it. She started, she, she was laboring away for some years and could get nowhere. The people in there, just a wall. They didn't change, they wouldn't listen she, and getting no results. But she started praying in tongues for 15 minutes every day. Just made it a discipline, set the clock. She, she didn't have any great, um, you know, feelings about it all. It was, it was a discipline. This is what I'm supposed to do. So every day she would pray for 15 minutes in tongues. And when she did, it changed everything. And power began to flow. And one by one, people began to listen. She began to get converts, miracles. People would come off drugs, miraculously delivered from withdrawal. All kinds of things began to happen. Now I'm going to read you one of the really early stories. So she's, she's talking to this guy called Christopher. Now Christopher is one of these triads. And, um, and you know, they're into, well, whatever. In the middle of a, and she's talking to him in pidgin Cantonese, she says. In other words, her broken Chinese. And, and she says, Christopher, who do, you think, who do you think Jesus came into the world for? He did not reply. She says, was it for rich or poor people? That's easy, I know that one, he said. He came for poor people. His school teachers would have been happy. But, she asked, does he love good people or bad people? Jesus loves good people, he said. It was a dismal catechism. <laughs> You're wrong, she said to him, uh, which you don't normally do to Chinese people. But she said she was keen to get get at him. She said, um, do you know if Jesus were alive today, he'd be here in the walled city, sitting on the orange boxes, talking to the pimps and prostitutes down there in the mud. That's where he spent a lot of his time 
in the streets with well-known criminals, not waiting in a neat, clean church for the nice guys to turn up. Christopher says, why did he do that? Because, she said, this is why he came, not to save the good people, but to save the bad ones, the lost ones, those who've done wrong. Christopher stopped suddenly. Now, she never got these reactions before. She'd been praying in tongues 50 minutes a day. He stopped suddenly. He was, he was overwhelmed by what he heard. So uh, the story is they sat on a, on a bench somewhere on a busy roundabout. She said the traffic was roaring past, people yelling as they always do in Hong Kong. Another plane came in flying a few feet over her head to land. And Christopher heard nothing. He had his eyes shut and seemed to be talking quietly. He was not talking to me. He was admitting to Jesus how he had failed. Sitting by the dusty road, he became a Christian. There were many problems in store for him. The next Saturday, he came to the youth club. Bravely, he stood up in front of the others and said that the week before, he had not believed in Jesus, but now he knew Jesus. The announcement was greeted at first with silence. It was so extraordinary a thing to say. And then came the jeers and the taunts. Boys from bad homes did not become Christians in that society. Uh, you know, they think he was joking, he was mad, but he was not. He now refused to carry on with his triad um, initiations. He returned the, there's a whole lot of literature goes with that. Uh, poems and ceremonial dialogues and law, uh, triad laws, and he returned it all. And to take, to make such a stand was both very firm and very courageous. Such a thing had never happened before amongst these people. His decision was a breakthrough for me too. I knew that now that it was not true about there being a cloud of unbelief over Hong Kong. Jesus was alive in Hong Kong just as much as in England and those who looked for him could find him. The change in Christopher was remarkable. He worked so well at his factory that he was promoted to the rank of supervisor. Instead of gambling sessions with the triads, he now spent his time at the youth club. And on Sundays, he came to the evening service. Now, here's, here's the telling line. As I continued praying in the spirit, what she means is as I continued praying in tongues for 15 minutes every day, the results became apparent when more boys like Christopher made decisions to become Christians. We met together for Bible study and prayer anywhere we could. Now we get to the interesting bit. Uh, she said, one day when we were praying, one of them had a message in tongues. We waited and then Christopher began to sing the interpretation. Astonishingly, this beautiful song came in English. He couldn't talk English. So some guy gets an, a tongue. He sings it in English. But then another guy sings it in Chinese who couldn't talk English either, and the meaning was the same. No, no, tongues is a totally miraculous thing. It just feels very ordinary to us. It felt ordinary to her praying 15 minutes every day, but she did it, and the power grew. Anyway, here's what he sang. Here's the English version of what he sang. A God who saves me in the darkness... Give me strength and the power so I can walk in the Holy Spirit. Fight against the devil with the Bible. Talk to sinners in the world. Make them belong to Christ. So, um, anyway, uh, I'm, only, I'm only halfway through. But, interesting, I picked up a couple of illustrations for the very thing I want to talk to you about today. So, um, the other boys used up all the time. So, uh, you know, maybe I've got to hold this now to get back to for Africa. <laughs> but I better tell you something. Clothed with power. Jesus said, you will be clothed with power. How did it happen? We, we, if we quickly read the account, we can do a summary. So Acts 2, 1 to 4, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they're all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and that filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. So what have we got so far? Rushing mighty wind... And, and a fire that falls into the room and divides up, you know, a big fire fell in, it broke up so that everybody had a flame of fire on their head. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them 
utterance. So they all began speaking in tongues. So you've got two things here. We narrow it down to two anyway. There's the fire and the tongues. Uh, the fire is the sign that the Holy Spirit had come upon them and filled them. The sign that the Holy Spirit had come from heaven in some new way and was burning, passionate flame of God had come upon them and yes, the Holy Spirit has come. So it's the sign of the Holy Spirit. But the outcome was the tongues. So if the fire is the sign of the Holy Spirit, the tongues is the result of the believers now being activated with this power. And, and that's, that's generally what it is. Generally, when people are baptized with the Holy Spirit, there is an outcome. There can be an outcome in many things, of course. You know, some, some people will prophesy. There could be other manifestations, but the very, very common one is people suddenly speak in tongues. And that's given to you as a permanent thing. Now, that's the result that something in the believe has been activated and is now flowing out. So one was the sign that something was coming in and the other is the sign that now something is going out. And uh, that's as good a way as any, I think, is probably... Now, and, and you all know what happened then. This huge hubbub going on of all these different languages. There was a crowd in Jerusalem at the time. It was Pentecost. It was a Jewish feast. And so somehow this crowd rushes together. You know, it's a racket going on. But these people are from all over the world. Acts 2 tells us, names all these different nations in the world, and not only from the Roman Empire. They, they had Arabs there as well. That was outside the Roman Empire, and they all turned up. They're here they all were, and they're all hearing in, in amongst all this hubbub of various people talking in tongues, they're hearing their own languages. But specifically it says, we hear them telling, now, now listen to the definition, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. Now you've got to try and hold that. Because what's tongues for? We'll come to it. And, and then Peter stood up and preached and he said, ah, this is a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. And he quotes Joel. And it wouldn't be the only one. But he quotes Joel. You're in the last days and pour out my spirit. Sons, daughters, old people, young people, the lot. So prophecy was fulfilled. It was the birthday of the church marked by the fact that there were already numerous believers in the Lord Jesus, followers, apostles even, and the Spirit of God came, filled them, made them one people in Christ. Amazing stuff. Well, it needs to be understood. Like tongues needs to be understood because there's a lot of, a lot of people have, haven't got a clue what it's all about. And, um, and yet, amazing thing is, in the last hundred plus years, that work of the Holy Spirit has grown and grown and grown all over the world so that today, I don't know what you know, the percentages are, but you'd almost think that more people in the world spoke in tongues than those who didn't. Like, we're talking huge numbers. And, and, and not only that, pretty much all modern revivals or revivals that we've had for a good while in the world and spearhead of evangelism and soul winning uh, in, in not, if not all of them, but in most of them, when the Holy Spirit falls, tongues breaks out, as it did in the Solomon Islands 53 years ago. And, that, and those people were conservative. They were, they were the, the product of brethren and Baptist missionaries, uh, not at all Pentecostal, but when the Holy Spirit fell on a crowd of 5,000, the whole crowd burst out in tongues. And this is the nature of modern revival, that this thing is very common. And there's a reason it's common, and I'm wanting today to take a few minutes to tell you why it's common. So we need to understand what it's about and, and make a good use of it. Interestingly, as um, you go back some years, there were churches that were really very conservative and wouldn't let it in the door and look down upon it. But today it's just taken for granted. And one of them's right here, Rocky Baptist in town, because uh, you know, way back when peace started moving in these things, they, they frowned upon that and um, but a few years ago, I said to the senior pastor, I said, oh, you know, by the way, you know, would there be anyone in the church who speaks in tongues? And he said, oh, you know, about half of them. You know, like it's all now just, you know, normal. And uh, this is an astounding thing that bit by bit all over the world, the Spirit of God is activating more and more people in the power of the Spirit. Which it was, now look, it was always intended that this would come with conversion. You look at the Bible examples, people believe, they're born again, they get baptized, and at the same time 
hands laid on, filled with the Holy Spirit, get released in tongues and prophecy, and, and they're alive. So it's kind of like the whole package is, is meant to come in one, but when you're brought up in, in rigid traditions and you're taught this much and anything else, you know, is, is enthusiasm or, or, or fleshly or, you know, no, you, you, you get locked into religious belief that constrains. But no, the Spirit of God for hundreds of years now been freeing and freeing and freeing people move in the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, to each is given, now this is to each believer, that's to you and me, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. In other words, every believer, once you have the Holy Spirit, will have a manifestation. In other words, every single believer is meant to be able to move in giftedness and power. And of course, you, you give your heart to it so that this, you know, it, it grows, it becomes effective. You, you're all familiar with the passage where it says, you know, it lists the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, I, last time I spoke, a couple of weeks ago, was it, or last Sunday, I, I talked about the seven effective dimen power dimensions of the baptism of the Spirit, and I said gifts. This kind, these kind of gifts, which is one of the seven dimensions. Uh, so within that one, we're just focusing down a little bit today. Um, look, look, read the passage. 1 Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 8, 11. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. Now, this passage, uh, strictly interpreted, is really talking about the fact that every one of you is meant to be permanently and strongly endowed with, it, with at least one of those. This is, this is a little bit different to, you know, when the Holy Spirit falls on a crowd of Christians and they all speak in tongues, what is really given to them is the ability to pray in the Spirit, sing in the Spirit, talk to God in the Spirit uh, all the time. Something has been given to you that's permanent. It's only one expression of the gift of tongues. But, but in addition to that, there is a miraculous grace gift where suddenly the Spirit of God might move on someone in a meeting and they'll bring a message in tongues which is to be interpreted. And that's, that's just another expression. And this passage seems to be referring to that particular expression of it. Uh, either way, either way, it's very clear the Lord wants to give every believer some miraculous expression of their, of their spiritual life in Christ. Some, and, and you're not limited to just, uh, you know, just one dimension of this either. You can grow. And, and in fact, I, I, these days I would have no, no trouble, you know, most days, most weeks, moving in any one of these things, depending on, you know, what the Lord was doing or what the need was. But with respect to the gift of tongues, it's, it's actually a great gift, and it should be given its proper place. Paul, 1 Corinthians 14 5, he says, now I want you all to speak in tongues. That's, that's, a, that's a blank statement right there. I want you all to speak in tongues. But even more, to prophesy. So don't limit yourself. you you know, take this up. Say, no, I need freedom, I need liberty. He says, the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Now, a message to the church that's a prophecy and a message to the church that's an interpretation of tongues will be two entirely different kinds of messages. They're not the same thing. We'll touch on that in a moment. He went on to say, 1 Corinthians 14, 18, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. But he went on to say, nevertheless, I don't intend to fill up meetings with me just talking in tongues because it doesn't edify the church. Some understanding has to be given. So unless we, with public meetings, unless we're interpreting it, you know, it's, that's not, it's, it's not meant to kind of dominate the meeting. But, he said, but nevertheless, he said, I thank God I speak in tongues. Now, of course, not real clear here whether he thanks God more than all of us that he speaks in tongues or he speaks in tongues more than all of us, and for that he thanks God, but you, you can take both meanings. Anyway, interesting thing about it is that all those other gifts, prophecy, words, knowledge, healing, and the like, are all found in the Old Testament. The one that's not found in the Old Testament is tongues, but it's prophesied. And it's specifically prophesied that through such foreign languages, 
God would speak to the Jews who were um, hard and resolute against the Lord and unbelieving, and still they wouldn't believe. But a day would come. Well, the day did come, and it was the day that he poured out his spirit intending to go to all nations. That was the day he began the fulfillment of that, that prophecy. Anyway, there's an interesting story told. I must have, heard, must have heard this story 30, 40 years ago or more. And so I've forgotten the names and the places. I think it was an American story. But there was a prominent leader of the charismatic movement over there that had, had a church. He was an author. And, you know, he had written about gifts of the Spirit and baptism of the Spirit and the like. And one day he is visited by a prominent churchman. Now, this is from the city, the, the senior leader of um, a large, very important denomination, and he, but he's a very prominent man amongst all these traditional denominations in the city. And he comes to visit this charismatic leader wanting to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so they talk about it for a while. He lays hands on him and he prays for him. And all of a sudden the fellow says, Oh, Abby Dabby, Abby Dabby, I've got it. Oh, that's wonderful. That's it. I've got it. And out he goes. And he goes on his way, Abby Dabby. And, and that's all he ever says. And for weeks and months, you know, it's just Abby Dabby, Abby Dabby. And, and, and this guy's thinking, oh, you know, <laughs> the cringe factor, you know. And uh, however, a day comes months later, he gets an invitation to what's the equivalent of the minister fraternal of the city, but it's all these conservative churchmen. And they invite him to come and they ask him if he would speak to the subject of, you know, what's going on in charismatic circles, the baptism of the spirit and tongues. And so he, uh, this fellow that, that only ever had these, uh, this funny expression, you know, sounded like baby talk. He contacts me, he says, oh, it's wonderful. You know, you're coming to speak. And, and so he's thinking, oh, so he says to him, look, look, it's okay. Uh, look, I've prepared, uh, you know, a proper teaching and it'll be fine. And just let me take care of this. <laughs> so he goes along and he gives this presentation. And as he's finishing, this guy leaps up and says, oh, brothers, it's all true. And oh, I feel led to let you hear my, my language now. Abby Dabby, Abby Dabby, Abby Dabby. And this guy, oh, he, he creeps out, you know, <laughs> he's embarrassed. He goes, goes home and, uh, but he gets a call only a week later and two other very prominent churchmen in the city want to come see him. And they come and say, look, we need your prayer and we need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he said, oh, you, so you, you believe this uh, despite what happened in the meeting? They said, oh, we're not, we're not thinking this because of anything you said. It's, it's because of that fellow. They said, ever since he's been praying those words, his whole ministry is transformed. The church is transformed. It's full of life. There's young people. People are prayerful. He said, we, we've seen the power that's transformed that church since this, this fellow received your prayer, and we want the same. Well, it turned out, a few years later, this charismatic leader was in Africa and in some village area, and he's walking along and in the village, and he hears somebody behind say Abby Dabby and he turns thinking my friend must have turned up but it was the wizened face of an old African man talking his native language so <laughs> stories like this are just everywhere you know I've, I've forgotten more stories than I remember and uh, that's that's an old one I'm not even saying I got the two words right but you know that was you got the gist of the idea um, here's uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 1 to 5. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Yes, so Paul keeps encouraging that. He says, for the one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. Now remember that phrase too. The one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he asks, oh, here's another phrase to remember. He utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. Now remember that phrase. When you speak in a tongue, you are, the, the old English was, you edify yourself, but, it, but it's like uh, building a house. You build yourself. Uh, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. 
and so on and so forth. Um, we've, I've pointed out a few telling phrases because I, I want to give you now uh, just quickly 10, 10 ways in which the, the gift of tongues is meant to be useful and beneficial. So first is, the, the first is you, when you're speaking tongues, you're speaking to God and you're speaking mysteries. And, and this is where we came across those interesting phrases uh, that I pointed out to you. They were, they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God, that kind of thing. They were, we hear them telling in our own language the mighty works of God, it says somewhere else. Or every description of, of speaking in tongues being interpreted has those kinds of phrases attached to it. So th this is the first thing is, when you, wh whether you're praying privately or whether you get a message to bring in public, tongues will almost always be speaking either to God or about God. It, and it usually always be pra praise of God. Well, it will always, it will always have praise of God in it. It's first and foremost a, a worship gift. And, and that you can include it. In fact, it's very, it can bring your own prayer times alive because in fact, if you, if you start to pray and it's slow going and you've got a wandering mind and you're not in the mood, just, just start to pray out loud in tongues. And pretty soon you'll be in the spirit. Uh, it can also be a communication gift where the Lord uses it, you know, and someone hears their own language. Um, the, there's an interesting illustration that Jonathan came across and sent it to me, but I, I didn't have time to look it up. But, but it turns out that a YWAM team back in 1991 in Azerbaijan uh, would be praying and words would come in tongues and they would stop and get the interpretation and the interpretation was actually telling them what to do, would give them instructions on their strategy. And there's all kinds of stories that came out of it, uh, including Muslim conversions and all from constantly being instructed through interpretation of tongues. Um, Jonathan can tell you more about that another day. We read there, this is the second one, that the purpose of tongues is to edify you or to build you up. And that's what happens. That the Bible just says straight out that if you're praying in tongues, worshiping in tongues, this is, you know, this is your daily. I, I'll often pray, come along in the car. And uh, so it, it, it frees your spirit, liberates your spirit, and builds you up in power. You, um, in fact, it's the, the closer meaning the, to rather than, you know, edify yourself or build yourself up, the, there's, a, there's a closer meaning, which is to, to charge yourself up like charging a battery. And um, so this is what it all means. And it, it, it brings you rest and refreshment and strength and it releases your spirit and it makes you strong and it brings you into victory and so on. The third is, of course, you edify the church, but that's by um, getting these uh, interpretations in meetings, which we've already talked about, like the Jackie Pullinger story. Um, Paul makes it clear, this is the fourth one, that, that you pray with your spirit. Now, what, what this means is, yes, we know we use it in prayer, but his point is this. When you're praying in tongues, it's not your mind praying. It's your spirit praying. And this is what he means by pray in the Spirit or pray with the Spirit and, and singing with the Spirit. Uh, your Spirit has come alive to God and the Holy Spirit lives in there. So there's, there's actually in your Spirit, wherever that, I'm just patting here because uh, this is, the Bible tends to talk about not the heart but the belly. Somewhere within, uh, you can't separate body, mind and spirit, but, but you are a Spirit and the Spirit of God lives in you and your, when you were born again, your spirit came alive and the Holy Spirit took up residence. And so there's a communion that goes on between God's spirit and your spirit all the time, night and day. And when you pray in tongues or sing in tongues or worship in tongues, you are allowing your spirit to speak by the Holy Spirit. And that's why it gets so powerful. And, uh, it, and not only that, as your spirit speaks... So your, your mind becomes clearer and you'll find that after praying in tongues for a while it's easier to pray in English so there's a whole process that goes on it's hugely beneficial um, so it, very often if, you, if you're wanting to get in the spirit but you're in the flesh start praying in tongues because it only takes a few moments and you're in the spirit very very useful 
Uh, number five, it's a sign for unbelievers. Now, the Bible says this straight out, and Paul in 1 Corinthians 14 is quoting that Old Testament prophecy. Uh, this is verse 21, put it up. In the Lord is written by people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people. And then, even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Paul quotes this specifically relative to the gift of tongues. He says thus, verse 22, tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. Well, how could this work? How could tongues be a sign to unbelievers? Well, it certainly wasn't the day of Pentecost. 3,000 got saved. It was a sign. They still had to hear the preaching of the gospel, but it was a sign that got them. Well, uh, I heard another story years ago of a, a young man who, he was a foreign language student. There was some particular language he was studying, uh, one of these really obscure ancient languages, but he was, he was arrogant and rebellious and cynical about the church. But his, his parents who were Christians, they got baptized in the Holy Spirit and came home speaking in tongues and, and he overheard this in the house. And at first, of course, he was cynical and arrogant toward them. He had been all along. But a week later, he goes to the pastor and, and surrenders his life and gets right with Christ and seeks the baptism of the Spirit. And the reason was, he said to the pastor, well, my mother... She can't even talk English properly. But she said, I, I heard her speaking the most beautiful, he named whatever this other obscure language, the most, the most beautiful expressions and perfect grammar in this other language. So he was convinced, a sign for unbelievers. You know, you, you hear of these stories. Look, look, the long and short of it is God can do anything if you'll let him. But the idea is to stir up the spirit within you. Don't quench the spirit, Paul says. Don't put out the spirit's flame. So Every day, better do what Jackie Pullen. Look, if you can't handle 15 minutes of, of at first what might seem an unemotional and mindless activity, could you try five maybe? Set five on your clock, and after a minute you'll be tired of it, but persevere, persevere. Learn to speak in tongues, learn to pray in tongues. And, and you'd be su very surprised too that all of a sudden what seemed like very limited language and you're not saying much, all of a sudden there's a release and suddenly there's a whole lot more, or I've often had this, all of a sudden there's a switch to another language altogether that you've never ever spoken before. I remember once I was in Indonesia and I had to get up early. I was tired too. It was like 5.30 or 6 in the morning and, I was, and it was Sunday and I had to preach, go and do two morning services and didn't even know what I was going to preach about and, and, I'm, and I'm a bit weary, but you've got to drag yourself out. And next minute, bing, bing, there's a text. And it's Bob Bain. And he says, um, the grace of God is with you. I read the words and I felt this, this faith. And I, I, I began to pray. I began to speak in tongues. And you talk about a release. All of a sudden, this huge language float I'd never had before. And I'm prancing around the room for half an hour with this huge flow of language filled with the grace of God. I mean, Bob Bain triggered it. But the Lord intended it. And, you know, when you go out then and preach in the power of that, I'd been, I'd been tired and weary, but oh, then I was alive and vibrant. But you'll have these experiences of other languages turning up. And I've often enough had that. But unless you're giving yourself to some prayer, and actually in prayer, and actually step out on a regular basis and pray in tongues, what you, even if you've only got a sentence or two and it always seems to be like you're saying the same words, well, get busy with it because if you're not busy with that, then why would the Lord give you any more? No, you're meant to make use of these things because there's actually power in it. But like everything, the Lord takes the foolish of these things of this world to confound the wise. And very often people are so proud and so all, you know, intellectual, all, all cranial and logical about it, you know, it doesn't seem much. So they don't really give themselves to allow the moving of the Spirit. But if, you'll, if you just set aside all that and say, Lord, I'm going to just start praying and trust you. Now pour out a heap of prayer in English, but see if you can't fire up this move of the Spirit. Um, number six is it's very good in intercession, and number seven is it's very good in spiritual warfare. We just combine these two. In fact, Paul said, praying at all times in the Spirit with all supplication and so on. And, um, uh, you know... In years past, I, I have a different approach these days, probably to healing, because these days I'll pray an English prayer and then give a command and I'll see an outcome. 
But in all the early years, I'd pray in English and then pray in tongues. And it was when I prayed in tongues to get the healing. So, you know, intercession. I, I've, there have been times I've prayed for souls, like, um, like in meetings with a. I remember once, in the very first six months that I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, so 1974, Salvation Army had this huge meeting on. They had them every year. Youth councils, they were called. Youth were gathered up from all over the place. Big meetings, whole weekend of meetings. Great preaching and, and big appeals and usually come the last meeting, oh, a huge response, people would pour out. I was in that last meeting and we'd had a good meeting and a good message and it was a good appeal and nothing was moving. Appeal went on and not a single soul stirred, nobody responded. But I, I'm halfway back and I hear the Lord say, pray in tongues. I began, just under my breath, you know, I began to pray to myself in tongues and the moment I did, there was a, there was a shift. Something broke, something changed. And instantly down every aisle in the building, all these people started flooding forward. Now, what is that? Well, it's probably spiritual warfare rather than intercession. I guarantee there was some spirit there blocking the meeting. As soon as they began to speak in tongues, broke the power of that spirit, just released the hearts of the people. These are the kinds of things that come. And and interesting thing, when you're in a tough situation and you don't know what else to say, start praying in tongues. That's an easy one. I mean, I've gone into difficult situations where walking in the door, I knew exactly what to say, and I just gave commands in English. But if I was walking in, it was a heavy atmosphere and there was oppression and I didn't have a word yet. I'd, I'd just start speaking, not, not, not praying so much, but just speaking in tongues loudly. And it, it sure changes atmospheres. And then the words come too from the Lord. Uh, just trying to wrap this up now. Number eight, it's, it's a gift that has universal application. What I mean is every Christian can make use of this gift and uh, should want to. Uh, and, and here's some reasons why. It's the one gift that can be used anytime, any place to release power, to change atmospheres, to get you in the spirit, to intercede, to fight, to believe. Those are the gifts of the spirit. You can't control, you personally cannot control the flow of a word of knowledge. You can ask for one and you might be blank, you know, word of wisdom, discerning a spirit, you're praying, Lord, what is it? What is it? Nothing might come prophecy. You, most of these other things, you don't have a tap that you can turn it on, turn it off. You, they are miraculous gifts and you're relying on the Lord to choose when and how to... You can stir them up, of course, but tongues, ah, tongues is different. The thing about tongues is it's completely under your command. You've been given this. You can decide when to speak, when not to speak. You can decide how fast to speak, how slow to speak, how loudly to speak, how quietly to speak. You can pray in tongues in your mind. You can sing. You can shout it. And, uh, you know, there's all, it, it is under your command. People can also be stupid with it. It's, it's under their command that much. But, you know, the idea is not to be stupid, it's to be wise and, and use it properly. But this is something you always have it with you. So that this is why it's universal. The Lord has given you something that's very empowering. It empowers you. It disempowers enemies. And as, so here you, you've, it's, a, it's a tremendous tool. You know, back in the days of the charismatic movement, when you had a whole bunch of people against it, and, oh, tongues of the devil. Let me tell you, the Bible never says tongues of the devil. The Bible only says it's of the Lord. Now, the devil can mimic something, copy something, like he does every other good thing. But that's, we're not talking about that. We're talking about what the Lord does for his people. And... Um, but one of, the people, one of the arguments that people used to throw up to try and minimize its importance and, and discount it and you know, push it off to the edge, they used to say, oh, it's the least of all the gifts. That is a rubbish argument. Let me, let me tell you, it's a very unique gift. It has a unique quality, which I'm coming to as number nine, and it's this, that it actually is the gift of tongues that seems to trigger the release of the other gifts. It has, it has some special role. Now, has anyone ever heard of a thing called a pony motor? Um, some engines are so huge, you can't just start them off a battery or with a crank handle. You actually have another engine, a smaller engine. It's called a pony motor. You start that motor, and then that motor starts the big one. And tongues is like that. It's like a pony motor for all the other things that, that can happen in the Holy Spirit. Uh, so, I mean, your own car has this kind of thing in it. Your own car doesn't have just a battery and an engine. It has a starter motor. So the battery in your car turns the starter motor over and the starter motor fires up 
turns over the big engine. And so tongues is, is the starter motor for pretty much everything in, in, um, in the Holy Spirit for you. It's like that nine-branch menorah. You know, the, 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 the Jewish tradition had the seven-branch menorah, the seven-branch candlestick was their traditional one they've had all along, and they're fixed lamps. But the nine-branch one that, that got invented with the, with the Maccabees, was it a, a celebration of Hanukkah and all of that, there's nine, and one of them is, you know, you usually see eight in, at the same level and one a little bit higher. This one's removable. And the idea is you light this one, and then you use that one to light the others. You know, one day at a time, there's, there's a kind of an eight-day festival. They light one one day, light the, but they're using one to light the others. That's what the gift of tongues does with so much. Uh, so it's the power key, it's the release key to moving in the spirit. Interesting. In the church a long time ago, it was a dear brother called Lewis Larkin, and in my early years, he was here, and he was a very good friend of mine. And I still occasionally get an email from Lewis, as I did uh, yesterday, the day before, because I'd sent out the uh, audio and the video from the, the summit, and he, he wrote back how much he appreciated those. And, um, but I remember years ago, I, I learned something from Lewis that was very clever. He, um, Lewis and... and and June had been brethren missionaries in Papua New Guinea years before, but they became charismatic. And we got thinking about dreams and dream interpretation. And Lewis brought along one piece of information, told me about it personally, that's been so, so useful. And it was this. He said that a wonderful way or an easy way to interpret dreams was, first of all, when you've had a dream, write the dream down. And then with your pen in hand, pray in tongues for a minute. And, and so you pray in tongues and you get in the spirit and then you write down the interpretation of the dream. So once again, this is, this is the, the gift of tongues being the starter motor for a whole lot of other flow. So anyway, so it's not the least of the gifts. It has a, an important place, so important that it has universal application. And the last thing to say really is that it, it's very useful for bringing vibrancy to church life. Because when, when people are praying this way, they're alive in the Spirit, gifts are flowing, you, what you find is there's increase of faith, there's more healings, there's more miracles, there's more life, there's more young people. Generally, uh, not, this is not exclusively so, but generally in the world it's the churches that know how to move in the Spirit, don't resist the Spirit, uh, release gifts, give freedom of use of these gifts that see a lot of power in other things, in, in healing, in prophecy, in growth, in young people, and so on and so forth. Paul said, don't neglect your gift, fan into flame the gift of God, be eager to prophesy and do not forgive, forbid to speak in tongues. And he said, do not put out the Spirit's fire. You find these in various books of the New Testament. One, one note should, we should make in closing, aside from the one that uh, Philip brought today, which I'll remind you of. Spiritual gifts... That is, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and tongues and other spiritual gifts like prophecy are not given to people because they are mature enough or because they've become mature. They're given to new Christians, ideally, brand new Christians or any Christian who will seek. So having gifts of the Spirit, I mean, this back in the charismatic movement, this was one of the objections that you know, immature people running around with these things can't possibly be God. No, the moment you become a Christian, he gives you power. You learn how to be mature. You learn the, the proper use of all of these things and how to have a mature heart. So it's not given to you because you have maturity. It's given to you because you've got the new birth. So don't think you've got to be good enough or mature enough to be able to pray for the baptism of the Spirit. At the same time, if there's a hindrance in your life, you're an idol worshiper, you know? You, you love the world too much. You live in fear of your friends too much. You know, you're subject to peer pressure. You love money. It, or you, no one's asking you to perfect yourself. What, what you're being asked to do is to admit it, confess it. Repent of it before the Lord. You are forgiven. 
But the baptism of the Spirit as the gift of God is given as a free grace gift. It's not given because you deserve it. Really, it's only given to people who don't deserve it because they humble their heart and ask the Lord to fill them with the Spirit. And as, as long as they're willing to admit their faults and their sins. I mean, well, look, probably should say this too. Some people get more on day one than others. But nevertheless, if you've been, if you've been given a release of the Spirit, you've been given the ability to speak in tongues, but you think you didn't get that much power, what does it mean? What it means is you start using what you have, start praying in the Spirit, keep seeking God, because the power of it will grow. So the thing is what you start with on day one is not what you end up with on day 365 a year later if you will make use of what God gives you. All right, so ask, and it'll be given. Philip, this is what Philip said. We brought this up earlier. Seek, you'll find, knock, the door will be opened. The telling scripture there is the last verse. Because, well, no, no, this, this has to be given to people who fear. From Matthew 7, um, verse 9. Or which one of you, if, you are, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a servant? The implication in here is if you seek the Lord for a gift of the Holy Spirit, he's not going to give you the devil. He says, if you're evil, know how to give good gifts to children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give now, the Luke version says, give the Holy Spirit. But Matthew's version is, we'll give good things. Some of your Bible translations will say, give good gifts. But the idea of gifts only came from Jesus saying, you know, uh, if, you, if you as fathers know how to give good. Anyway, he didn't say gifts. He said good things or good. How much more will your father give good things and give good to those who ask him? So, a little overtime. We blame somebody else. Um, <laughs> so there you are. Um, what's your job? I think just seek the Lord. Ask the Lord for more of himself and use what you have, knowing that this is a very useful gift. Useful to everybody. If you have it, use it. If you don't have it, ask the Lord for it and expect to find release in the Holy Spirit, one way or another. So let's, let's pray together. I'll ask the band to come because we will close with just, just a note, a simple note of worship in a moment. And um, just stay in the Spirit while they're coming. And let's begin to trust the Lord to build on this work of the Spirit that He has been doing. And Father, we do, we do, place ourselves in your hands today and every day, asking that we might have more. We are, we are the heritage of the Lord, the house of God. Lord, I ask that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit. Every believer, every young person, every child, every mum and dad, grandparents who are here, and the young and the old alike, and in families and where people live alone, Lord, every last one of them. Fill them with the Holy Spirit. And I pray that there would be more and more this, the manifestation of the works of God in our lives because more and more freedom will be given in our lives to the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Lord, we hunger for you and we seek your face. Thank you for the blessing of the Lord upon every home represented here today. We thank you that you hear our prayer. Now, may grace and peace and mercy rest upon all the believers. We thank you, Lord. Amen.